0: welcome back to the dwd podcast as always this is joey and asher and today this is episode 22 which is kind of crazy to say and we have an amazing group with us here today we have the transition project and i hopefully you guys can introduce yourself so just just say your names and <laughs> tell us a little yeah, bit yeah, about, tell yourself. Us a little about yourself a little bit
1: about yourself Well, first of all, thank you for inviting us onto the podcast. Thank you
2: so much.
1: So, my name is Jackson LaBelle Navard. Um, I just graduated from Lower Canada College, grade 12, and next year I'll be attending NYU. Um, I started the transition project nearly two years ago, and I'm with.
2: My name is Alexa Shami. I'm the administrator of the transition project. I'm going to Queen's University in Kingston, Ontario next year. Um, I started. Interning last summer for the transition project and this summer working.
3: That's awesome. So, since you're both working on this project, could you tell us a little bit about what y'all do?
1: Of course. So, basically, our general mission statement is to help people who are financially disadvantaged or who have barriers to entering the workforce find employment. So, that's our general mission. And we do this with three primary demographics. The first is people who are refugees so a lot of people that we've worked with have in many cases left their entire families behind um, to come in pursuit of a better life they've come here and many of them their degrees aren't applicable here they're trying to support themselves and their families and they don't have the money or the income to do so so that's the first group that we help find employment for the second group is people who are actually homeless people who don't have anywhere to live no shower no basic basic living requirements and it can pose a huge barrier to entering the workforce and the final group is women who may have dealt with some form of abuse so we work with a lot of different organizations to help do that and that's basically our thing we've developed an incredible program to help people make that transition into the workforce and we're very proud of that program and the way in which we make it very individualized to help people get jobs that fit both their financial needs and their interests
0: super cool super cool so you guys just said that you are you just graduated high school correct correct right. cool so how do you get people to reach out to you who are usually in an older age group than than you guys are and kind of reach out and saying hey can you so please help you, us out with a job like how, how do you do that
2: so it's funny you mentioned this because it was definitely um a struggle to be taken seriously um, a lot of people at the start of last year when we were cold calling people through our network, we went to um, a private school in Montreal that had an amazing network of, of like a great community where everyone kind of um, connects in terms of connecting through the school. So at the beginning, I, we found that, it, you know, it's hard to be taken seriously all the time right like we would be cold calling a lot we'd say hi like do you have any openings do you do you need a someone to to fulfill like do you have any employment opportunities here and it, it was very difficult at the start but as we've progressed it's been it's been it's been um definitely rewarding to see that when people come in they come to our office they see us they they see that you know we know what we're doing now we've we've found 99 jobs and um, we've really—it's really been us against the world. I would say, like at the start, you know, it was hard to be taken seriously, but we've definitely changed that stigma towards youth.
3: That's awesome, and it's something Joey and I, I think can very much relate to. We cold email pretty much mm-hmm. every guest that we have that we do an off-site uh, conversation, just like this one. That's how we contacted right. each other. Um, so, and yeah, I think it's amazing. a very valuable skill. Um, yeah.
1: 100%. What? One hundred percent.
3: When it comes to, I think there's, when it comes to this topic of cold emailing, cold calling. I think the biggest barrier is probably just a fear of how people will react to you. How do you or how did both of you get over that hurdle and say, you know what, we have a valuable mission, but we need to do this thing that makes us kind of feel uncomfortable?
1: Honestly, at the beginning, even like people who were coming on for the first time to volunteer or to work, whatever it was, they were they were nervous to send out emails, even to connections they had to send out those cold calling emails or to make those phone calls. But once you start working with the people that we work with and you hear their stories, you hear about their backgrounds and you hear about those types of challenges, I think it becomes much easier to make that call, make that email, because now it's not just an email or a call. You're doing it to change someone's life. And it is a whole different kind of motivation to make a call to change someone's life rather than just to make a call to find an opportunity or to grow it's, it's very different. And I think that both Alexa and I have recognized that in many of the volunteers who've come here the first day, like that's a very intimidating thing, reaching out to people, making those calls, doing things to network. But once you put that job to a face and you realize that you're making that call to make sure that someone can put food on the table for themselves and their families, it's a whole different thing.
0: Super cool. So, um, us not being from Canada, we don't really know how your communities really function and how you guys band together. But from your experience personally, do you think that your community has been receptive with your mission and, and what you guys stand for? And have they been willing to hop on what, whatever you guys are pursuing?
1: I think kind of like building off what Alexa was saying earlier, at the beginning, it was substantially more difficult because we were new and we were young and people thought that 16-year-olds in a room weren't going to get done what a nonprofit run by adults would get done. However, after we started working, working, working and getting on that grind as much as we could and making sure that we were actually changing lives and making sure that our community knew that, I think people were much more perceptive to what we were doing, much more perceptive to our mission and much more willing to get involved.
2: And to go on Jackson's point on that, What's really interesting is it's not just the success rate that I think makes us, you know, legit, as we say. I think it's also how we how we respond and how, you know, we have this air of like respect. And we've learned, um, you know, through high school, even like, although it's not that much experience, but from last year, how to deal with people. And we're still learning. And I feel like that just, you know, makes people understand that, like, we, we are here and, and they, they listen to us. When we're responsive in the way that we know what we're saying and, and you know, we communicate with them properly, then obviously they're going to, you know, respond to us in the, in the correct way, for sure.
3: Absolutely. Um, one reoccurring topic that we talk about on this podcast is we like to really delve into Genesis stories. Um, so I'm curious from the two of you, how – Jackson, I guess since you're the founder, how did you come up with this idea and then yep. – How, Alexa, did you get involved in this idea? Was there like a
0: snapshot moment where you're like, damn, (laughs) I really need to get involved?
1: (laughs) So that's a good question, and it's one that we definitely hear a lot. Um, To be honest, it wasn't really a snapshot moment, at least for me. It was more of a long progression of a lot of things. However, there was this one trip. I went on a community service trip with another organization that helps youth who are at risk, whether they're struggling with abuse or bullying or a variety of other things, I went on a community service trip with them and I was sitting in a seminar where everyone was talking about their employment goals. And there was one young adult in particular who was talking about the burden of having a job and how they had watched their older siblings, their younger siblings, their parents be burdened by having to work overtime in environments that they were very not satisfied with, just to provide basic, basic things for their families, food, housing. That, for me, was a very jarring moment, and it made me think about how I could empower youth and kind of remove that burden. So it started with that thought, and then I started helping youth in the foster care system by finding them employment. I wanted to focus specifically on youth. And after having success with finding those young adults' jobs, it grew substantially, and I realized that it wasn't just youth who were burdened by that. It was people specifically who were struggling financially, and that's kind of where our mission grew from.
2: And um, what Jackson also touched upon is, you know, the idea of going on a community service trip. Now, um, Jackson is very passionate, as am I, but what I find was really important and what really instilled that is we went to um, a high school that made community service mandatory. We'd have to do like fifteen hours of community service the first two years of middle school. and then as you as you um get through high school, you have to do more and more and you have to do community service projects and and all of that. And what's really, really, important about that is that I think that's what made us want to do this on our own right like we didn't need to do it anymore um to to fulfill our our high school diploma we wanted to do this because it just became a norm for us I think and and um when Jackson tells his story I think that's really you know like what engraved this idea in his head um as for me getting involved last summer Jackson called me when when he was putting together a group of interns to, to work this summer or last summer. Sorry, he um, called me and he needed help. We were actually not close. We were actually not even friends. And <laughs> it's funny because now we are pretty close. But um, yeah, so the fact that he could call one of his peers directly, even though we weren't that close. And he asked for my help because there was an interview coming up and they needed someone who could speak French. And I, I'm pretty bilingual. So I was like, sure, why not? I ended up going to this, like, hour meeting thinking, okay, like, fine. I helped out one day, whatever, and I wanted to stay. I came back every day that summer. I came back from a family trip, and I came right back to work. I was super excited, and that's why I'm here this summer, because of just going to that one meeting, and I didn't really think it would affect me the way it did.
3: That's great. One debate that I think comes up with this, you mentioned that you have community service requirements at your school. We had the same thing. We had to do, like, 40 hours um, before we graduate. Do you find, this is a bit off topic, but do you find that those types of policies are useful in cultivating um, volunteer, volunteer service just in general or an atmosphere um, where community members are su- supposed to serve their community as opposed to just be isolated?
1: It's, it's a definitely an interesting question. I think that it's important to have to introduce young people to the idea of philanthropy and giving back to their community. Because I think that that idea being instilled in a student from the time they're 14, 15, 16 is important. However, I really think it's up to the student to take it a step further, kind of touching on what Alexa was saying, take it a step further to not only commit a certain amount of hours, but work towards fixing issues that they're passionate about. And for example, for us, it was poverty alleviation. So that's something we became very passionate about through hearing stories of people we were working with. Um, And once you target that issue that you're passionate about, I think it's much more important to focus on doing something for the goal of starting a movement, starting a nonprofit, working towards helping a nonprofit that you're passionate about, not only working towards taking off hours. However, I think those hours go towards instilling that idea of philanthropy and giving back into a student's head.
2: And just to continue with what Jackson's saying, um, personally, I, I think the required hours, especially when you're in middle school, like you're just you know you know growing up you're not you're not a little kid anymore you're you're like in, in the you're in the big high school as they say, um, I feel like they're very important because when you're introduced to a new environment like like as we felt going to high school, I feel like you don't really think there's a lot you can do besides show up and go to classes and you're even scared about you know making new friends and the fact that it's required, you know, makes you realize that you have to do something. And then when it becomes less mandatory and then when it becomes more you showing your passion, being creative in what you do and how you can help people, that's where the fact that like it was instilled in what you have to do in your curriculum, I feel like that's where it comes in handy for sure.
0: That's amazing. So I think one of the major things which we talk about on this podcast is developing this thought, this idea into a plausible reality, making an idea into an action. Were there any hurdles that you had to face or both of you guys had to face um, at the beginning of your project where it was super difficult to formulate those ideas and create them into a real world material action?
1: So (laughs) there were definitely hurdles without a doubt. Um, just to give you an example, the first time I walked into a meeting with a business professional, um, she invited me to her home and I was going to ask her for employment opportunities to give me a chance on this project to provide someone with employment. And, um, she invited me in, she was talking, she had someone there taking notes. Um, and before I even had the chance to start the pitch that I had spent days literally days preparing she said you have 15 seconds to convince me why i should listen to you go and that was not something that was an irregularity for me or for members of our team um there were a lot of people who were skeptical a lot of people who um weren't sure if we could get it done and i would say that was the biggest um hurdle by far skepticism because when you are young Of course, you have so many responsibilities and people are worried about where your priorities are at. Luckily, I think that the team we had had all their priorities in the right place. And the thing that added to that, like I said, was hearing some of the stories that we heard, seeing some of the people that we were helping that really pushed people to go all the way to work as hard as they could. And that was recognized by adults, by professionals. And that's how we overcame those hurdles, by disproving people, by getting a small little chance, just a small little chance from each individual and proving that it was worthwhile and building on those connections, building our network. And it just led to the growth of our organization.
2: And um, to build on the idea of skepticism, I think that um, you know, it's part of life. It's part of starting something like this to to take the no you know like you're going to get a lot of people that aren't even going to give you the time of day especially when you're young and they don't even think that you know what you're talking about but even if you get five nos and one yes like just the fact that you have someone listening to you when when no one no one believes that you should even be listened to right like we believe that that matters and and even if it's a long day and we're not seeing the exact results in terms of, like, employers or donors or things like that, the fact that there are people still listening to us and are still happy about our initiative, even being here and speaking with you, like, just that is amazing to have as an opportunity.
3: Absolutely. And we're, we're glad to have you because this is already shaping up to be a really cool conversation. Um When it comes to finding people to help, what was your strategy or mindset? How did you find people, whether they be homeless, refugees, like you mentioned, Mm -hmm. how were you able to tap into a network that already exists to help those people out?
1: Mm -hmm. So once I said I started with foster care, so once that was kind of coming to an end, and once I had successfully done that as an individualized project, we... After I put together a team, we started reaching out to local grassroots established organizations who were already working with these individuals, but who didn't provide um, the services that we wanted to provide. They were almost the immediate help in the way that it would be a food shelter or um, a housing shelter or something like that. But we really looked towards creating a long-term solution to these huge issues. I mean, homelessness is a huge, huge problem refugees who've come here who don't know how to find their own job and who are struggling is a huge huge barrier to ending the workforce so we worked with other organizations we contacted them and they were actually very excited to get on board with us because they recognized the importance of having something long term to make sure that you're not only giving someone food or giving someone housing for a night but you're actually helping them reintegrate society and and re-enter the workforce
2: and like Jackson said, a lot of these organizations um are amazing in what they do, and they really help the in- individuals um you know with their own personal struggles. But we feel like we we're the next step. We see us helping these individual individuals. Sorry, um, get back out there. So a lot of these um homelessness homeless shelters um provide food, provide shelter um you know for the for the short term. But we want to help people get out of that. We want to help people be on their own and be independent. And that will, that's why we consider ourselves the next step for sure.
3: That's great. And it's a very important um, mission to have because I feel like that's something that's missing from discourse right now. It's, mm-hmm. it's very temporal and, and not as long term. So I'm, I'm glad y'all have focused on that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious if since you have specialized in this for the last two years, what are the best strategies that you've noticed, whether it be in your own community or um, across the globe, um, that you've taken notice of that have been good at reducing unemployment as well as poverty? I know it's a super loaded question, but I'm just curious to see what you think.
2: So that's actually a great question because I feel like that goes in hand in hand with our transformation from last year to this year. So last summer, we were cold calling um, the employers and we'd meet with the um, prospective candidates for, empl- for, like, the employees. And it was great. We, we placed 99 jobs. But what we found was it wasn't long-term enough. Um, we needed something that could help us, like, like, we wanted to help people more on the idea of, of finding something that they're interested in, in terms of, like, getting back out there. So what, what I think really makes a difference with this and I'm sure Jackson can agree with me, is the fact that we take into consideration their interests, and now we have this program that really is structured towards the, the individual's um, direct needs. So we meet with you, we have two interviews, we really we find out what you want out of this, we find out how urgent your situation is, we find out where, where you see fit to having a job, and then we go from there, and we do our best to place you in something that you like. And I feel like that is amazing, because... The, the idea that someone is motivated to work really goes hand in hand with what they want to do.
1: And just to build off that, I think Alexa touched on a key point there because this program that we've developed that young people have developed really incorporates it all, right? They sit down with us. They meet with a social worker. We, we've learned to teach them about budgeting. We, provide, we help them with long-term housing solutions. Even their groceries at times are funded by our organization depending on their financial state. So we're really putting them through a transition period where they can go from initially being unemployed into the workforce. And I say that's the key way for us to help lower unemployment and poverty, because it's not just putting a, someone in a job here or and kind of letting that take its course. It's really guiding them through the process and really helping them make sure that they're stable in the employment.
0: That's super cool. What, I, what I'm most curious about, though, is how you your group at such a young age is getting this amount of funds. I, I remember that you referenced something like you have an office and you have social workers and people working for you all the time. Where do you get these funds from to hire these, these sorts of people or are they all volunteers? How does that work?
1: So initially it was predominantly volunteers. I mean, people were really getting on board with our cause. They saw the work we were doing, and they wanted to take part in it, no matter in what way they could, whatever commitment that was. But like I said, we we had to expand, we had to grow. So a lot of people in our community saw the work we were doing, saw how many lives we were changing, and stepped up to provide us with initial seed money to kind of get our organization off the ground. And we'd reach out to them, we tell them about our cause, and they really did see the value. I would say that that was one of the things that. We were really good at because we know who to contact because they were very philanthropic people and we knew that they'd want to help get involved in a cause that was completely changing their community for the better. So predominantly off the donations, we've also we're also proud to say that we've organized a variety of fundraising events. We've partnered with one or two businesses who've given us goods to sell on their behalf, who've given us some form of sponsorship. So that's really how we've kind of funded this program and how we've put everything together
2: and even on that note we still have um, volunteers taking their time to come in and help us we have full-time volunteers this summer which is amazing because that's kind of how this started last summer we were coming in every single day with without getting anything out of it except the pure happiness of helping these people um, get jobs so we still have that um, in terms of all the seed money that we might be provided
3: That's great. And I'm curious if if you're able to disclose this. If not, it's all right. Um, What is in store for the future for this this nonprofit? What's the the main mission that I guess you're trying to lead up to? Um, Are you trying to eradicate poverty all throughout Canada, just in your local community? What steps are you going to take there in the next few years?
1: That's a good question. And I think it's one that we've very much harped on ourselves. Um, What I can say is that we have a huge vision. It's not only about getting our mission done today on daily day. We really do want to focus on helping people on an individualized level, one by one. And do we think we can eradicate poverty in the next couple of months? No. The next <laughs> couple of years, even? No. But what we do want to do is make sure that we grow our program, that we incorporate everything that makes sure that people can go from being homeless or go from not having a job and successfully enter the workforce. Course. We also are expanding to New York, which is something we're very excited to say. Um, we're trying to get this amazing nonprofit to expand as many communities as it can expand to. I mean, people all over the world, honestly, have been DM- DMing us on Instagram, contacting us through social media, and they're interested in doing this in their own community. So I say, I would say that the goal is really getting this project to expand to as many communities as possible, to help as many people as possible in the most individualized way as possible.
2: And like Jackson said, I think it's really important, obviously, to provide the jobs. But what, I, what I'm really interested in doing this summer especially was creating the confidence that certain candidates need when you're not introduced to the fact that you can go out and get a job when you don't know how, when you don't have the right resources. Now we are providing this program. We are providing our help to, to make you aware that you can. There shouldn't be a stigma towards Um, individuals who might not be able to acquire their own jobs on their own right we want to alleviate that we want to we want to talk about the fact that we get you that first interview and there's no more stigma there's no more um, issue with the fact that you might have been homeless or you might have come from a different country so we think that the fact that we can help you build your CV that can build your confidence we get you that first interview we provide even the right clothes for, for that first interview. Just the fact that we do that um, really does build your confidence and makes you independent. And I think that's an amazing um, thing for everyone to have.
0: That's really great that you're doing that for your community. And I'm, I'm, I'm ecstatic to hear that you guys are branching out into the United States because um, we, we would personally love to, to get involved in your project as well. But what, That's awesome. one of the biggest things Great. which we're tackling right now in terms of running this podcast and just running our business as a whole is how we are going to function when we're in completely different places. Oh yeah. um, Since yeah. I'm 16 <laughs> and Asher's 18, he's heading off to college and I'm still at home. Um we're trying to figure that out for ourselves, but I'm curious on your end of the spectrum, how are you figuring out um, how you're going to run your business, your organization, um, living in a completely different area?
1: Well, (laughs) that's, that's not an easy thing. (laughs) That's been one of the most time consuming problems for us to resolve. But I think we've put together an incredible plan in terms of making sure that we're sustainable So it really for us came down to making sure that we have the right team next year, making sure we have the right team of volunteers, hiring the right people to run it, making sure that everything related to the work we're doing is digitized so that we could still be involved from wherever we were, whether it was Queens University like Alexa or NYU like me, we can all have this thing that brings us together that we can talk about. It keeps the youth aspect involved and the founding members who really got this nonprofit off the ground will always have that involvement and always make sure it's sustainable in addition to that we have all the people here who will be working on it the volunteers the people running it so I think it came down to putting together the right team and it took I mean it took months to create a plan that worked for sustainability but I think we've done a really good job of doing that
2: and definitely the fact that you know, we're passing down the torch to the next generation of high school students who would either want to volunteer during the year for community service, want to volunteer and intern during the summer. Just even having that, um, that group, like to influence even, I think is really what's going to sustain us when we're gone. And like Jackson said, we have this thing that will always bring us together. Wherever we are, we'll, we'll you know be able to talk about it. We'll be able to say that we started something amazing and that we're not finished because we're not at all.
3: One thing that I find to be kind of the hardest part of any business, any nonprofit, um, is building out a team. And you've mentioned this before, both of you. What type of criteria do you use when you're trying to, let's say, hire someone on for an executive job that's going to take a major role and working with you? What type of criteria do you look for for a person like that?
1: That's another good question. So honestly, whether it's an executive or a volunteer, I think there's one criteria in specific that is so important and that's being passionate about the cause because it's one thing I mean a lot of people here are very organized very driven very good at what they do but the best people I've worked with the people who've pushed this organization the furthest in terms of making sure that we're sustainable making sure we're expanding were the people who were passionate about the cause and who saw the value of the work we were doing. So I think that's the most important criteria. Having people come in when they come in and they say, oh, I want to work here. What we want to know is why. Because if you want to work here to really make a difference in your community, I think that you're the right person to be here, to be volunteering or working or being an executive, whatever it is. We want people who are devoted to the cause. And obviously there are other things that are important, organization, being determined, being on task. But I would say that anyone passionate about our cause goes above and beyond in all other criteria
2: and to continue with that um especially since we're trying to you know um go go our separate ways as we are i think um like the passion aspect that jackson's talking about i think trust is very important we need to know that everyone here is is willing to to do everything they can for our for our for our team for our candidates for everyone that's very important as well as the fact that um, you're not working under someone we're working as a team. We're still in the development process of what we're doing. Um, we have a lot we have a lot to figure out. we have a lot to do um, in, in terms of the future. so we don't want it to be like one person is directing everything we our our space is very open. it's more teamwork it's it's really centered around that and I think that's very important as well.
0: That's super cool this is this is kind of a weird question, but I'm just a bit curious. <laughs> have you ever had people who have? said they wanted to hop on board um, with your whole project, but they got involved with it for the wrong reasons.
2: Oh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I mean, there there are aspects to this that, I mean, even people thought some of the people here were doing it for application purposes or for CV purposes. And I mean, there of course, there are going to be people who do want an extra thing to hitch on their CV and let that kind of be used to pursue future career goals. And You know, like we can't have everyone come in and be driven to work here nine to five every single day and completely committed to the cause. But what's important to us is that you are here because you care about the people that our organization is serving. There's no doubt that there have been people who've worked here who've wanted to do this for the CV, and that's fine. But I would say everyone who's been successful working here has seen the people that we've worked with, has heard their stories, all of us, and has been extremely inspired by their stories
2: and just like Jackson's talking about when we um when we started this up again like last summer when it was really taking you know into motion we found 99 jobs um when we went into the school year we found a lot of people that we actually reached out to now suddenly interested that they saw that it was more um more legit and more more of a more of a thing because our school actually supported us now so that kind of definitely actually rubbed me the wrong way and you know you start to see people's true colors but at the end of the day like Jackson's saying, it doesn't matter because those people aren't here with us today like what we're doing this summer like we've really filtered our group to people that have to be passionate and we see that the only way you're successful with what we do is when you're passionate for sure.
3: Absolutely, and I totally agree. In my own leadership experience, that's been true, but you're, you're right. I think you're totally right when you focus on as long as the mission gets done. Exactly. Um, I guess the final question that we have before we wrap this up is, it's, and it's a bigger question, and you could both answer it. Um, for someone who's aspiring to make a big impact on the world like both of you are, what would your recommendation be to them?
1: I would say don't give up because it's so Mm. easy to let one little issue, one problem, one no get you off track. What's going to make you make a real difference in your community, in your country, in the world, I think from my experience, is making sure that when you do get that no or when you're told that something isn't possible or when something goes wrong, you don't freak out. You say, What do we do to solve it? And I think that's something important, whether you want to change the world or you want to be a leader in something. I think knowing how to show the people that you're working with that whatever the problem is, you're going to figure out a solution to it. If something goes wrong, you have an idea of how to fix it. If something could go wrong, you have a backup plan. And I think that's one of the most valuable things to make sure that A, if something goes wrong, you're showing everyone that that's not going to stop you, that you're not going to give up because the work you're doing is too important, and B, to show the people that you're working with that no matter what happens, you're going to remain calm and you're going to do everything you can to make sure that it doesn't grow and that everything gets solved.
2: Um, yeah, so I have two kind of catchphrases, I think, at night, like, like to really, you know, calm and reassure myself that what we're doing is, is you know, worthwhile um that's trust your instincts i think that i don't think i'd be here if i didn't trust the fact that i believe in our mission and everyone on this team and all their hard work is is valued and it's going to you know change the world frankly so that for sure like jack like jackson said you know you can't give up when there's an issue and the fact that we've trusted every issue, like every instinct that we've had even when Um, there's people doubting us, even when there's big conflicts that arise, like the fact that we can just trust that is amazing. And um, my second point would be like, step out of your comfort zone. I've definitely grown from being here this summer. I, you know, was scared to reach out to to a network, actually, like, that's something I've been focusing on on the team this year. Um, This summer actually was fundraising and going to presentations and contacting people that I don't think I had the the confidence to do before and really stepping up, stepping up my own game for myself and for our team has definitely shown me that what we're doing is all going to be worth it, which it is.
3: All great recommendations. Um, so the last thing that we're, we're going to let you do is we're going to let you plug everything and anything that you'd like to, your organization, where people could find you, social media. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Great, great. So they can find us on either the the transition project.ca our website um definitely checking that out learning about our mission um they can also go on our instagram our
2: instagram is definitely a really good tool especially worldwide that's how i'm guessing you guys found us and we've been getting a lot of um dms from around the world so it's it's the transition project and um, we post daily. We post stories. We really show everyone like what we're doing, and that's an amazing tool that you know just to have social media, of course, in this in this day and age. Um, and
1: that's those are the best ways to reach us. By yeah, now.
2: exactly. And awesome. and For by sure. email, of course. Um, uh, the transition project Canada We we that's how you know when you guys reached out to us, and we're always excited to, to learn more about amazing things like this and partnering up and just. Great
3: tools like that. Well, Jackson and Alexa, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you sure, for having us. Like thank
2: take you it so out? much. This <laughs> of is course
3: for sure again thank you both
0: for hopping on if you enjoyed this episode feel free to share it contact us all of our information is in our description if you just want to have a conversation say you love the episode really anything and everything feel free to reach out and hit the transition project up on all of their socials i'm sure they'll love your participation and just to hear that you guys love the episode but as always this is the dwd podcast times the transition project this time. Uh, Signing off, as always, episode 22. Peace. Peace.